Hello everyone and welcome to the Laura Hill podcast. I'm Laura Hill and this is my amazing guest Alex Walker. Hello, how are we doing guys? I can't wait to share everything with you, answer all Laura's questions and give you a lot of information hopefully and hopefully some value today. Amazing. So right, so I'm going to introduce everyone to you because I know you are like you you are a very well well to me you're a very well-known educator but for anyone who doesn't know you like I basically want to introduce you in the way I see you so I love you because you are an incredible cutter you're such an awesome specialist in what you do and the way you deliver your education with such like humour and you're so nice about everything. You're just such a cool person to be in the room with. But the other reason I wanted Alex on this podcast is because he has the most amazing mindset, the most amazing head for business. And he's like a proper go-getter. And that is what I really, really admire about you. And if it's okay with you, I really want to pick your brains on this. Is that okay? Of course. It's very flattering, first of all, and maybe a bit too flattering. But um, I'm very grateful for, for that. And um, of course, yeah, let's go. Amazing. So the first thing I want to do, because I know bits and pieces of your story, but I don't know the full thing. You have... I feel like basically been in every area of this industry, haven't you? Like you've owned your own salon, you've yeah. owned your own education company, like you work for big brands. So could you tell me like your journey, like where you started and how you've got to where you are now? Yeah, right at the beginning. <laughs> um, yes. So like... Uh, obviously, uh, I went into hairdressing maybe a little bit later, I guess, not directly from school, like a year, 18 months after that. Um, and so I was a little bit of a kind of late starter in that respect. And and I think it, I've been in hairdressing now for, I think, 19 years, something like that, 18, 19 years. So like then when I started, it was kind of a, you know, I came from a very um, sporting background, played a lot of football and kind of all my mates didn't really understand why I went into hairdressing and and it was just something for me that I fell into but the environment I fell into became something I loved instantly you know with the people with the atmosphere the banter that like that whole feeling and that vibe of a salon was just so much fun and so that was what kind of led me and drew me in and and then from that point on, I, I guess it was, you know, after, of course, the apprenticeship and, and then becoming a stylist, I bounced around a lot. I, I moved around a lot to different salons. I worked for a ton of different people in, in the town I live in. And that was probably only for the reason that I'm a person that needs challenge. I need something that drives me. I need to feel like I'm getting more from what I'm doing than just doing the job. And that's always remained, I guess, from the very beginning. And so moving around felt natural to me, although it didn't probably look very good on your CV, right? It, but it was like, 
you know, it felt right. Like I'd got all the information from one person, all the positives, some negative sometimes, and then like move and find somebody else, right? And I very quickly developed that that love for education. I worked um, probably 18 months or two years after qualifying as a stylist, I worked for like a salon and training academy where that was where I first started teaching and I first started getting into teaching. It was like a a real love for sharing everything you could. And at that time, it was like apprenticeship-based education, you know, um, yeah. MVQ level um, two, some work experience students um, that was a great foundation for me to then, when I opened my salon or when I, because um, I bought a salon from a previous owner. So when I when I went there, like we employed a couple of those young people as our apprentices that I had experienced teaching. And so it kind of led nicely into that and the development of um the development of our salon and our business. And 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 I bought the salon from previous owners that had the salon had been established forever like forever in the town, like been there like 30 years. And um, it was a really great business and it was a really great salon. And again, I think me being me always looked for something more, which has pros and cons. And, And I think the the pros were, I have a ton of ambition that always then transcended onto our people who were ambitious and wanted to do really well for themselves and wanted to grow and develop. And then the cons were I ultimately bit off more than I could chew, right? And and it led to us closing the business down probably two years ago because we opened more locations. And, like, I think we finished – we had five locations at one time. Wow. And um, it ultimately just just didn't, yeah, it just didn't add up. The numbers didn't add up. It didn't work through, not for a want of trying, of course, but it just, you know, grew too fast for, like, without kind of establishing that, that core group and, and the turnover in those businesses. And we just ended up kind of getting to a situation where it became unmanageable. So that, Throughout that time, I've I've summarised that very quickly, of course, but I was just, you know because that's a long period of time, right? And we we grew our team. We had a wonderful, wonderful team of people, and and they were that for me is probably my biggest area of like and the biggest love is the people, um, the the growing teams, educating your team, developing them, hopefully giving them some value not just in their work life, but in their life, like that, that's the most exciting part for me and the best bit. And so, you know, that kind of led me into like, when we had our salon, we had a training academy where we developed all our own staff, apprentices and advanced education. So I've always, always had that, that love and that underlying education was the core of what we did always. And, um, it naturally led me into wanting to go and do education almost full time after the salon closed because I didn't want to go back to having a big salon, a big team of people. I couldn't, I I couldn't, it was, it, 
the closing of the salon was really tough. It was like tough for all of us, tough for me, tough for the team, tough for my family. It was a really hard time. And like, um, I'm always open about that because I think it's part of the journey. It's part of my journey and my story. And I also think people like, they look at what you currently do and, and they think that like, that's all great and everything's going really well. And it's like, now now things are nice right but like it doesn't it's not always like that you know the journey isn't always just uphill right it it comes and goes and ups and downs and and like it just so happens that through my own choices of course and through my own wanting to develop the downs were like big old canyons and and like you know big old things to climb out of so it's but it's just it's it's led us to where we are and and now yeah i'm i'm doing education three four days a week probably and i still have a salon i have my own kind of small studio salon space where we have freelancers that work in the space because i'm not there ever so it doesn't lend itself to me having an employed team of people um because i think for me anyway, being an employer is about spending time with those people, developing those people and giving them more of me than I actually could right now. So yeah, it, it works really well. Um, and, and then the education is like the main part of now what I do really. Amazing. So that's, that's, that's like up to current day, I guess. Yeah. Yes. There, there's loads in there that I want to, um, yeah, please. Yeah. The first one that comes to my mind, right? Because I do want to dive into your mindset because I I love the way you are and the way you approach things. But what you just said about that, like, success isn't straight up, that mm. it's ups and downs, and that sometimes it's really, really down, and you literally have to climb out of it. I feel like sometimes you look at people like you who are educators full-time working for a brand and you think, oh, it's all right for you because you've whatever, whatever the reason, been lucky or do you know yeah. what I mean? And I think like how a really great piece of advice for anyone who is maybe struggling to get what they want, like, what was there one thing that carried you through that really hard time was there something you told yourself or like how did you get through it that's a that's a great that's a great question the 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 answer is the hardest time i've ever been through in in like not just in my career but in life right it was like that like i have four children and like we're talking about a business that literally was my life and my livelihood and we lost like uh, in those times everything is hard for everybody involved right it's really tough for the staff because they they all lost their jobs effectively now i did what i could to set some of them up with other employers that i know with send them to other people that I knew that would be really good and fit and look after them. I, like I tried to do my best in those scenarios. However, 
you know, it always causes emotion and upset for those people. But we literally, like, I lost literally everything I had, like, and everything I'd worked for, right? And so I, I, I don't ever, like, I take full accountability of what happened. It's all when you're the boss and the leader and the, like, it's all on you and that's life and that's okay. But like, I lost like everything gone. So to get out of that, that for me on a part, and I can only speak for me because everyone is different. Right. And there are two things that get me out of bed in the morning in that scenario. One is the, one is the desperation of like fighting to make things work and make things tick and like my partner is not at work because we've got young children and like she could have gone back to work we talked about that as an option fine no problem but like the reality is I wanted and needed I needed for myself to be able to make that work and so there was that pure desire desperation hunger drive call it whatever you want like to literally get up and make it right and so from the second we closed i had taken on a new shop i had started working on the new shop i had like been, i've been doing did all that myself all the fitting out of the new shop obviously apart from like complicated stuff electrics and all that but like i'm like i have to my brain has to do what's next like when stuff happens when stuff goes wrong when you know finances in those moments are tight when things like that happen my, my brain just goes what can i do to solve it of course i have struggles it doesn't i'm not saying you're always like that that positive all the time but most of the time most of the time i'm just made i'm made that way so maybe that's credit to my mom, you know, and, and she's a bit like that too. And that desire to always like get up from whatever happens in life and like, and, and we talk a lot about stuff in our family, you know, with my mom and I and, and my partner and like, as long as everyone's healthy, then we're good. Right. And that's such a cliche. I know it is, but like that, that really that became one of the things that was like that got us through that time was like is everyone all right yep everyone's good okay then we're good right so and i and i know that sounds a bit cheesy but but it really was like because because we had nothing like yeah i didn't have a business i didn't have any money i didn't like it was like okay the only thing we've got to cling on to here is like are we all right so at least yeah. you've got our help yeah exactly and it and it was honestly it's as cliche as that but but it's real it was like yeah let's get through it right so every day just became about doing something that we could control about doing something positive to move forward and about the steps that you took to make it work so i knew going into it that i wasn't going to have enough education to make it tick straight away i also knew that I didn't have enough clients, get that, to be able to sustain a full-time book of clients. Because as a salon owner of multiple salons for a number of years, I'd spent a lot of time giving clients away and distributing clients and probably losing clients because you were too busy and whatever else. 
And so I never had a full load of clients. So I did I, I did multiple things. We opened our studio and our space. Um, Grace, who you know, Laura, who you've met, is an incredible... She's not a colour technician because she cuts hair too, but she's incredible with her, her colour work in particular. And she was somebody who worked with me before and for me. And she decided she wanted to come and be involved and be in the space and work with us and as a freelancer. And so I was obviously eternally grateful for her support. And she she straight started straight away full time and, and that was great. And I was only in the salon a couple of days a week because I was then educating probably one day a week. And then I also had to take at that time I took a I took a job in a salon. I took a job wow. in a salon. For, it was the salon was forty five minutes away from me, and so forty five minutes each way. And I took a job there, and I worked there from. So we the salon closed in end of July. We we open get so the closing date was twenty ninth of July. We opened our new salon. I think on the 6th of August, four days it took me to wow. renovate a whole salon. The building had been empty 10 years before then as well. No. That, that's a little insight into like, sometimes I do crazy stuff. Like I just stay there for 24 hours and just paint and decorate. And cause I, I just have to get that done in my mind. So we opened that then. And then by the September, I was working in the salon um, two days a week because I knew I needed some guarantee some consistency and some like revenue to to like feed my children as much as that is like uh probably not cool to say that's how it was right and so uh the the shortened version of the story is i was there until january so january last year i wasn't there very long i was only there a few months I was probably t two two reasons that finished. One was they obviously knew I had other stuff going on with the salon and our space and our education. And by that time, the education was picking up a little bit of momentum. Um, and also, like for me, it, it comes back to that uh, being uncomfortable. As in, I work better when I'm a bit uncomfortable. And when I... If I'm too comfortable, then it's it's easy and no problem and things just tick along. And so at that point, it was ticking along nicely, no problem, like earning enough money to survive. But I knew that if I wanted growth, I had to be uncomfortable. Um, so it was like, suck it and see, January last year. Yeah, we went into January last year with zero education bookings on the diary i had wow. started i had started working with davro at that point but it was the brand was still new and building because of course you know that was affected by covid too so uh, i loved the brand i knew the brand was the right brand for me they were the right people for me i have great relationships with the people that bring that product into the country everything was right except there was no work to begin with right and like so it was a patience thing and and 
I'm not a very patient person. I've got better as time's gone on, but I'm not very patient. But I, so so we went into the year with no, nothing, just my two salon days, Grace, what she did as a freelancer. And then like, it was like, you got to make it happen now. And we finished last year. I did 60 dates last year. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you know, do you know what's funny? Right. And it comes back to like um, what you say. I'm I'm sure we'll go into this more about the, like, how do we get to that point? How do we, you know, the bookings and everything else, but like that little bit of making myself being an uncomfortable position and having to do was like a really good, a really good thing for me. I'm not suggesting or advising people to put themselves in uncomfortable positions, but sometimes that's good for you. Yeah. I yeah, I agree. So here's the here's the instant question that if I was yeah. listening to this, I would ask. How yeah. do I know if I'm in uncom how do you know if you're in uncomfortable but it's good for you? Or uncomfortable, too uncomfortable, or do you mm. not know? Is it like a leap of faith? Like how do you know? If I'm in a salon now, five days a week, yeah. and I'm not that happy, and I don't know, like, I want to be an educator like you, like, I look up to you, and I think, God, I'd love to do what Alex is doing. Like, what's enough uncomfortable? Is it quit my job? Or is it, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Take a day off and say, right, that one day is going to be my day of education. So, so here's my take on it, and this might upset people it might not but whatever so um it is what it is um so my take on it is and and this is a conversation that i have regularly with my almost 16 year old son which is quite scary wow. um, but anyway we won't go down that road but my about making a choice to do something that makes you happy now i don't care what he does in life like I literally don't care. I don't care what he does for a job. I don't care. I don't care as long as he's happy. As long as he's happy and he's kind to people and he's got good values and moral. Like I don't care. And so, my advice to anyone who is feeling really, really, really unhappy, and if you are genuinely unhappy, and let's say, let's say you've gone through the process of trying to fix it, right? Because I think that's important too. Because too often we can decide that something's not right and be impatient and not communicate very well. So I think that's the first thing I would say is, if you're unhappy in a salon, talk to someone, talk to your boss, talk to your colleagues, talk to, like, try and figure out what that is that's causing that unhappiness and can it be resolved? Because if it is that you've got a burning to desire to do something else, like educate or maybe they want to help you, right? Maybe they can help you. So talk to them first. So before the salon owners start screaming at us on the podcast, like talk to the salon owners first, number one, right? Don't just leave. Um, and like, that's that's what I would say. I would say if you've gone through the motions and you feel like you've done everything you can to try and make it right and make yourself happy and there's no flexibility or you can't get to where you need to be, then I would say... It's about the position you're in and the ability to make that jump and make that choice. So, for example, in my situation, I made that choice. You could call it stupid. You could call it whatever you want. But I took that 
that risk, but also I have that inner belief that I'll make it okay. But I have four children and a mortgage to pay. So so that's like when you talk about risk and the level of risk, that's about as big as it gets. So if you don't have that and you don't have responsibilities and you live at home with your parents or you live with your partner and you can talk it through with them or then I would say 100% take a risk to, and and do something that's going to make you happy. Because like, you know, so many people say, Oh, I can't, I can't do that. I can't, I can't jump because I won't earn enough money to pay for my car or like pay for the lease on my brand new Mercedes or like what, or I can't go on four holidays a year or like that. Then you have to make a decision between the shit you have Sorry, am I allowed to swear? It's too late. Yeah, no, it's fine. Sorry. Like, like the the stuff you have and your happiness. Like, then decide, right? Because you can't, like, if you're miserable in a in a employment, and this is not just salon related, but anything. You know, if you're sat in a job and you're miserable every day, you don't want to go to work, it sucks. Like, don't do that to yourself. Just because you need the money to pay for your car and your house and your, like, as get rid of it get rid of the car and like move like do whatever you need to do to be happy i think we we misunderstand the value don't we of money like mm-hmm. i know we all i know we all need money and, and money's important but like I, i've learned through tough times that you can be really really happy in yourself without like having loads of money and actually then when things get more comfortable and you are having more success, you're just even happier because that makes it a bit easier, right? But my my answer is if you're in a position to take a risk, take a risk. And if you're in a position where you have commitments, then weigh it up, weigh it up. Don't do stupid things and just go all in and bin something off and kill yourself, right? But because ultimately that's detrimental, I think. But I also think we undervalue you know, I'm the same as you, Laura. We listen to a lot of books, a lot of podcasts, a lot of people from different worlds and different industries. And people's definition of hard work is different. And like going to work from eight until six or nine until five or whatever it might be in a salon that you hate and that you're miserable, that you still have the rest of the day to do something else. Like you, you, you got the rest of your time between the hours of let's say you go home and you got children and their dinner and like you got between the hours when they go to bed till you go to bed to actually do some work on something you want to do so don't like you know like you don't have to throw in everything and get rid of everything you can build towards it by putting the foundations in place first yeah that was a very long-winded answer no, I Sorry? love that. I, yeah. I I love that. I do it at the other end of the day. I wake up at five. I'm a mm-hmm. five a.m. club person, and, and I get both. it done done before they wake up. So yes. same as you. Two, well, not the same as you. I've got two. I couldn't yeah. Yeah. talk about hard work. <laughs> not before Alex. <laughs> so I so I get up at five, and my husband and my kids get up at seven thirty. So I've got two yeah. and a half hours. The, the the point is, there's always a way around it if you want there to be right. And if yeah. you want something to be successful, and you want something to work for you, like 
I'm currently in a phase, still in a phase, where I do that at both ends of the day. Like, because A, it doesn't feel like work to me because I really love what I do. B, I'm on a mission to get to where I want to be. And I don't even know where that is, but I'm on a mission to get somewhere. Like, and and see, I just, nothing happens unless you make it happen. Just yeah. doesn't. Just doesn't. Like, all the people in our industry that are successful, that are have built massive businesses, that have massive salons, that have big followings on social, none of that happened by accident. No, none of it. It, it, it like those people graft and they work hard end of so yes like i'm a believer that you get a bit more luck the harder you work to be honest like um you make your own luck right and and so yeah. people might be looking at those people saying they're getting lucky but they've worked for that and so you know i'm nowhere near on the level of some people in our industry and and one thing I know, though, is that I will work as hard, if not harder than anyone that I know, always, because that that is my nature to just graft nonstop. Right. Yeah, I love that. Well, that's what you did by opening a studio in four days, wasn't it? <laughs> which is... Yeah, that was that was a lot of graft. I mean, that was a lot of manual labor, which I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, but it is what it is. It, it's like... Um, I'm a hairdresser at the end of the day. I um like sometimes you gotta get it done. We were on a budget. I had a guy, I had a guy helping me who's a mate of mine who is like was a builder and then he and then like because of the toll that takes like on the body and everything else, he, he actually went into barbering and so we helped him with some barbering training and stuff. And so we kind of got friendly and so he helped me with the salon. We worked together but he worked like a normal day, right? He would like be like nine till four and then he's gone and then I'm still in the shop. Like, so with like, we never even had any lights, right? So with like those building site lights and all that stuff. And so, but it's sometimes you have to do that to get it done. And I couldn't afford to pay painters, decorate it, like every tradesman to go and just do it. I couldn't. So I had to make it right myself. So, Yeah. That's yeah and I think yeah I think for anyone who I don't know maybe I don't know would think oh well maybe you knew how to do it I always think well if you don't know how to do it you can YouTube it especially things yeah. like painting and decorating and DIY and you can yeah, always basic. swap trades can't you you can always we have that amazing skill that we could say well I'll cut your hair for however long yeah like yeah i just i just think like when when you when you want to get somewhere and you want to do something whether it's like getting something ready like a shop like that like or whether it's actually in your career relevant to hairdressing like you know i i think that i don't know i i i'm i'm trying to be careful what i say really but in the sense of like i don't want to upset people by saying that the people's definition of hard work is not hard work. Yeah. Really. Not really. Like, you know, yeah. You know, sitting down watching Netflix for four hours in an evening and being miserable at work and not doing anything about it is not very productive, right? Yeah. 
So, so fix it. Like, we all have the ability. And, and the great thing you just said, like, I know we were talking about the trade and YouTube and, but the great thing is like, even with hairdressing, right? Like, if you don't know how to do something, Google it or use chat GPT or YouTube it or like, there are a million ways to do something that you could start a business on the side on the, like, you could do that alongside what you're doing and build something to a point where you then feel more comfortable taking a risk. Yeah. And jumping into something when there's a foundation there. Yeah. I love that. I think you're right. I think, so I feel like, I don't know, the hard work thing, I feel like we all have our own levels of comfort, right? Mm-hmm. And we all have our own level of what is okay for us to do that means we're not, like heading towards burnout right but I do think like the analogy you had with success earlier that it's not straight up it's up and down right with our level of comfort with work no you shouldn't spend forever at such a high level that you're going to burn out but there are always going to be times when you want to grow where you actually do have to push past, like you said, get uncomfortable. You have to push past what your comfort level of work is. And so it's almost like, do you know what I mean? Like that almost, in my mind, I think of like a heartbeat monitor, you know, where you have these times where you're really, really pushing and you're really, really working hard Uh to maybe gain an inch of ground. And then you go back to what is healthy and what is comfortable for you. But then again, if you want to grow, you have to go back up again. You have to push harder again, don't you? And I think... think... Go on. on. No, 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 go on. I was going to say, and the same with finances. You know, when you were just saying about, um, you know, we have all got financial responsibilities. We've, you know, a lot of people in this industry have got kids and mortgages. A lot of people maybe are on that hamster wheel. I've been there multiple times where you're on that hamster wheel that every penny that comes in goes back out again. But there was something that I heard on a podcast. I'm going to accredit it to Tony Robbins. I'm not sure if I've got the right person. But he said, if the government raised the tax by another 20%, you would bitch and moan about it, but you would pay it you would find it and you would pay it because the alternative is tax dodging and going to jail, right? So there is always some way you can find to, like, if you really need to, to maybe not have the mega expensive phone, maybe not have the mega expensive car. Do you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. whatever, it, maybe not have the Netflix but, subscription. But But we don't want to live like that, do we? and and, no, and people 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 don't want to live like that is my point they don't want to be you know they don't want to get rid of those things they don't they don't want to get rid of their luxuries they don't want to pare back everything that they that they need to like when our business closed i changed my car right i got rid of my big fancy car and i got a smaller less fancy car but because that's life and that's what happens and i'd rather do that and work towards my goals and what I'm trying to achieve than be comfortable, work for somebody else and be able to still keep the car. Like, and, and this whole burnout thing is such an intriguing, difficult conversation for me personally, because 
if you're for if I'm working on something I love and I'm doing things I love, number one to me, again, as cliche as it sounds, doesn't feel like work. I don't ever have a day where I get up and think I don't want to do any work. Like it just doesn't happen because I love it and genuinely love it. Right. And so that's number one is if you love what you're doing, it doesn't feel like work. And the whole like work life balance thing, the whole that is so, so unique to each individual person of what they want that to be that I think that we we should be very careful always having conversations about it because this whole like people striving to achieve a work like what is that like during the week Monday to Friday I work I, I would I would guesstimate somewhere in the region of 15 16 hours a day probably wow. So I'm up and at it early. Then I'm like, if I'm not traveling for teaching, then I'm like, try to be present, like with the kids, breakfast time. Then I go to work and I like either I'm working in the office or I'm teaching or I'm in the salon doing clients and whatever. Then I'll come home and again, try to be around for like dinner time, bedtime. And then I will get my iPad out and I'll work again for a few hours. And that's the same every single night, every day, Monday to Friday. And then a weekend, I I might do the early bit and then I do the evening bit. And then nothing all day because I'm with the kids and the family. And so that for me is my balance. And and, and if I'm on a Sundays, I'll probably do very little. I probably won't kill myself and get up quite so early. Or if I do, it's for a different reason, like I might go and do some exercise or something, or, you know, in the evenings, I might watch a bit of sport instead of doing some work. So I'm not like killing myself. So to me, I'm still, I still feel like I'm balanced. But to a lot of people, the idea of working probably 16 hours a day, five days a week is not a good idea. So, but I don't even feel like, you don't feel like it's work because I love it. Like, and I'm always working on stuff that I want to be working on. It's not like a chore. That's a really interesting, like, insight into your mindset. That's really interesting. Yeah. Like, I just uh, yeah. think it's hard. And it, it's so hard, isn't it? This this whole work-life balance, burnout, is so prevalent in our industry. And, and I think anybody who employs people, anybody who has a team of people, like, being careful that your team don't reach burnout or that you know yes it's important of course it's important but if they are happy and if they are doing something they love and if they're incredibly well compensated for doing what they love then you're gonna reach that point far less often or far less regularly and I was talking to a salon owner a a couple of days ago and she was kind of at this point where she was feeling very disillusioned with what she was doing, the industry, training staff and spending money on their training and how they'd got to this point and then they're all leaving. And like when you have these conversations with people, these conversations are like all the time. Like people yeah. feel like that all the time in our industry right now. Yeah. Fed up of the industry, fed up of like 
the tax situation, the VAT, the like all this stuff that's going on. And like, I think to myself, if we put half as much energy into like giving those people what they need all the time, supporting them, developing them, then like, have we not thought about like, there might be reasons that they're leaving. Mm. Like that. And, and actually if it's happening time and time and time again, that's, that's suddenly that's not a coincidence. <laughs> like, mm. like we're doing something wrong somewhere. So or, I just, yeah. Or what's happening, which I think can happen as well, is you're putting so much into them, you're creating these amazing hairdressers, and then what's natural is, of course, if they're amazing hairdressers and they've got ambition, they're going to want to go off and they're going to want to move on, aren't they? They're going to want to open their own salon, join an art team, become a full-time educator, you know, like whatever, travel with it. I think there are people, I know it's not the majority, but there are people that actually are falling falling victim salon owners that are falling victim of that aren't there yeah and and i think that but i think that those salons and those salon owners should just continue to keep doing that because if you're creating people with that much drive that much ambition that much desire to do something positive then go you because that's amazing right and like those ones like you said are that is less regular but it's but it's still happening and and but they are what we should do don't get disillusioned or disheartened by the like our people are leaving like keep doing keep training keep developing like don't stop that process just because a few have gone or things have changed or you know it's yeah i don't know i just think we just focus on really, really, really like giving everyone they need and those burnout things happen much less. Yeah. You know? I love that. Yeah. So, so on the point of, because you're always working on something, and I know right. this about you, I know you create the most amazing opportunities. And like, I, t- you're so motivated with this. Like, how does someone get started to create an opportunity like how does someone approach a brand to work with a brand or or do you wait for them to approach you like and because brands aren't just gonna go down the phone book and go ah w alex walker (laughs) let's have him work for us so even if they approach you like what are you doing to get to that point what's the secret so the so the brown thing is interesting because um i've worked with a few brands over the years i've worked with a few different brands and um all of which have been good all of which i've taken positives from and all of which you know kind of lead you to wherever's next right and and what i think is if that's something you desire first of all you should think about why and what it is you want from that because the first thing that I see people do is they go into a situation with a brand, then it goes sideways because the expectations aren't clear or they suddenly feel like they're bound by that brand and they can't do this and they can't do that. But yeah, you know, so so first of all, I'd, I would establish what it is you want from it. The aspect of having a support from the brand, if they're a good brand, having support from them is amazing 
having those people fight your corner, having those people help you develop your education, for example, and get you bookings and get you, you know, like I said, last year, at the start of the year, I had no education bookings from the brand I was working with at all. They were few and far between last year. I was patient. We grew together. We did everything like, and now this year is going to be massively, massively increased on last year. And we're talking about now international education, working for the brand in different countries. Like, and and so number one, to get to that point in the first place, you have to be patient because it doesn't just happen. Number two, you have to go and get it. Like no one, like you said, no one's looking for you, right? Because for every you, there's a million other people. Like the brand, you know, that I work with, Davro, an incredible brand, beautiful product. They could get 10 of me from anywhere. That that the reality is we're in an industry full of great people, right? End of like wonderful hairdressers, great colorists, great haircutters, you know. This is the same both when you're working for a brand and if you're doing education yourself. There are a million of you. So you have to make yourself known to them. And I would say, one, find some brands that align with your values and that you feel like reflect what you're doing. Two, you probably need to be using that brand in your salon or working with that brand for them to really want to engage in a conversation. Because... If you're not, it's not really going to work out, right? So as in, you know, let's say I'm a Davro salon and I approach a Veda because I want to do some education. They're going to go, sorry, mate, you're not even using our product. Like, So it, first of all, you have to probably be using their product and be aligned to it. But if you're not and you're a freelance educator, artist, session stylist, whatever that looks like, just reach out to brands, message them on social send them videos, send them links, tag them in your post. Like don't tag 400 of the same brand, obviously, like because that's detrimental, but like direct message, be a pest basically. Like, and and don't give up because, you know, that tenacity and that desire and that drive is valuable to then that brand. Um, so you have to start by finding the brand, probably using their product would be helpful, and then putting yourself in the situation. So an example is Grace, who works with me, has a desire longer term to get into education. Now, you could say it's helpful that she works where I work in the same space and she she's alongside me delivering education quite regularly. But Grace puts herself in a situation all of the time to assist me on education days, to come on trips where I'm delivering education, to come to classes. Now, she doesn't get paid for that. In fact, worse than that, she doesn't earn any money because she's a freelancer. So she's given up her day. Then she has to pay for, let's say, recently we went to Birmingham for two days. So she had to pay for two nights in a hotel. I drove, so like obviously no fuel, whatever. But she paid for two nights in a hotel, all her own food, two days of not earning money, to put herself in a situation where she gains valuable experience 
to want to do education. So, and she comes to as many of the Davro courses that I do as possible to be there as an assistant and support because she's putting herself in that situation. And now she is making content for Davro on social that she is being paid for because she's worked towards that point by continually putting herself in the situation. And now they know who she is. She came to Salon International off her own back, paid for accommodation, paid for her food, like, like, you know, so she could be around the people that are important within the brand. So, so that's an example of what you should do. Shadow people, message people and ask if they need an assistant. Like, like there's a ton of things that you can do to put yourself in the right situation, but, but be persistent. Don't, and be patient and don't give up when someone says, no, I'm really sorry, we're not looking at the moment. Like, don't don't give up on that. But the last point on the brand one is, if you continually are getting pushed back, you know, you should always analyse what it is you're doing or the way in which you're writing those messages or, like, if there's lots of no's or lots of consistent feedback, you know, maybe ask why. Like, don't be afraid to get that answer of like, well, can I ask what I need to do to get in a position where you need me? Or and and I don't think we do that often enough, all of us. Like, because we're scared of the answer, right? Like, what is it that I can do that gets me to a place where I can support you guys and do some work for you? That's cool. Like, that's a really good thing. So, you know, more people could do that and should do it in that way. But also they can be working on their own thing, right? You know, and, and doing their own education because that then builds their profile and puts themselves in the situation. Like I, you know, most of the education I did last year was all my own education, not necessarily for the brand. The stuff that's come for the brand is come after and in addition to what I do. But never put yourself in a position where you have to rely on a brand, like fully, because there aren't many brands that are going to give you a full-time education ambassador role, not unless you're a massive name. And like, they're just not, they're not going to pay you a ton of money to be an ambassador because again, there's other people that can do that for less. So I love that. Alex, that was gold. That was, was oh it? my God, that was, oh my, that was absolute gold. That was amazing. There's so, yeah, that's so helpful. There's so many things to unpick for that. Firstly, can I say, like Grace, if you are listening to this, you are amazing. And I do believe, like I met her maybe for an hour at Salon International, and then I met yeah. her at your studio. Yeah. Yeah. She's the most amazing girl. Like you're, you're, yeah. you, you can, I can see why you like having her with you. And she, she does She's have, great. She just got up on the how to cut it stage at Sound International. Don was there and he said, you were there, weren't you? Don was there and yeah. he said, does anyone want to get up on stage and do some hair? It was completely out of the blue. And she just went, yeah, I'll do it. And she got up and she did it. And I let was me so tell, Let me tell you, she was shitting herself about that. Right. <laughs> so, so, so she's like, so, so she's quite, she's quite a nervous, anxious person, right? Not that you would know. But but she is like it, inwardly. That's like, um. But she is an absolute rock star, right? She's a. Not only is she an incredibly talented 
uh, hairdresser, but she is the nicest person in the world. And yeah, spending time with her, working with her, um, having her with me on education days is just like, it's so nice. You know, I feel, to be honest, I feel a lot like I'm her dad. Um, and like, like I'm a second dad to her, but you know, cause, cause we do, you know, we do talk lots and talk about life and, and, you know, she's good. And she, you know, brings questions to me and asks me, Oh, what do I do about this? And what, and so it's nice because, you know, we have a really positive relationship, but, but she's an example of someone who is putting herself in a situation where she wants yes. to get to where she wants to get to. So yeah. that's what you have to do. I think, yeah, I think you're right. And what she's doing as well, that's very clever. I know you said at the beginning, she's of, of this, that she, you may say she's lucky, but she worked because she works with you. But she put herself in that position. She went she and made... found a mentor in you. Like, yeah. that's so she, clever. She made, a, she made a choice as well, right? To So first of all, uh, we got Grace, Grace came to us when we had our, our previous business um, from a different salon and um she came to us as a like just finished or just finishing apprentice um and becoming a stylist right and so um she she's been kind of alongside me in one respect for for probably five years now i guess um and but she made a decision of course when the salon closed to stay with me or in our space and in our company because she felt like that was valuable experience. So, you know, for whatever reason she made that decision, it might've purely been because she doesn't like change too much and, and that felt comfortable. Right. And that's okay. Like whatever it is, is okay, but it will, it will work out for her because I'm also one of those people where, you know, if I, see someone like that and their loyalty and their hard work and and that relationship is built I will do whatever I can to help that person always and and so she knows that too and so that will pay dividends for her because yeah. I I will make sure it pays dividends for her like mm. um you know, and I'm not saying like she won't get anywhere unless she works hard. Obviously, I'm not saying I'm going to just give, but because I don't have the power either to do that, to just give her an opportunity. But I will do everything I can to help her as much as humanly possible because she deserves it because she's worked for it. So, yeah. That's amazing. So that's point number four, get a mentor. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're oh, so listen. Much. We we all need those people, and and there are a ton of people, both inside and outside the hairdressing industry, that I look up to, that I look at what they're doing and 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 how they operate and how they build their businesses and how they work, and and that is a massive driver and motivator for me in creating some of the things that we create. You know, like yeah, sometimes like I I feel like I am an ideas person like back to our kind of original point, like I have a lot of ideas all the time, but some of which need parking for a later date and because and they're not quite right. 
some of which I think is a good idea and then you talk it through with someone and you realise actually that's probably not a good idea or you realise actually somebody else is already doing that. So that's fine. Um, and sometimes sometimes they are good ideas and, and, you know, but I feel like then turning them into something else and having that like ability to move is great. Sometimes I get the ideas from books, from podcasts, from you know, people I listen to, like, same as you, you, you read a lot, listen a lot. And that's a map. I feel like that's one of the most valuable things that I have added to what I do. I'm not a great reader as in physical book. Um, I switch off really easily in that, in that context. Um, I've never enjoyed reading even at school. Like I just, yeah, not into it. So I'm an audio person, audio book, um, it does mean that sometimes I have to listen to audiobooks twice because, like, to get everything I need from it. But but I'm always getting ideas from things I listen to, always. Mm-hmm. Podcasts, books. Yeah, and I listen to tons as well, yeah. as much as possible, whether it's when I'm working, when I'm in the car, uh, when I'm in the gym, like, tons tons and i love that that brings me a ton of new ideas for like my business yeah i think i'm such a big believer in that the roi the return on investment for reading a book or listening to a podcast is the biggest value ever like i can remember seeing this reading this anecdote somewhere about this woman who was really successful and someone broke into her house and stole her tv and her laptop and her phone and she was confused why they left the books because she was like well if you really want money take the box and read the books because that'll get you more than the tv will but if you think about it like if you wrote a book right now about all the lessons you've learned you're condensing 20 years of life experience and lessons into one book that I could read in a week Mm, and I know everything or like the stuff you've said in this podcast I can listen to this in an hour and I can get so much good stuff out of it that Mm. it's taken you 20 years to learn Mm. like how like what an unfair advantage yeah but that's (laughs) good don't you think that's the great thing about the world we live in Like, I think it's one of the greatest things about technology. One thing I've started doing, and I got this from Stephen Bartlett, because he's a genius. um, And it's, I've started with my iPad, reading books, and using, you know, where you can highlight passages and making notes at the same time. That's one thing I've started doing, because I can read it in smaller chunks, And like that works better for how I sort of process the information and highlighting bits and taking notes because I'm then actively involved in the process is better for me. So I've started to do that a little bit in the evenings, like late in the evenings before I go to bed. And that's really cool. I quite enjoy that at the moment. But just finding a way that works for you to and and a person that works for you, right? Because I go in stages with different people, I think. Like, I've listened to so many books, and, like, some um, have a profound impact, some don't, some I get bored of halfway through. So, like, there's a lot... You have to find what's right for you, and we're all different. 
Yeah. And the same with and podcasts. Yeah. And what's right for the stage of your life as well? Like, mm. what do you need right now? Do you need to know about money? Do you need to know about how to get ideas? Do you, do you know yeah. what I mean? Do you need yeah. to know about your health? Yeah, and that even that changes like week to week, day to day for me sometimes. Mm. I could be in the middle of a book on like Audible and think, do you know what? Today I need something different. I need something different, so I'm going to go to a podcast instead and park that book for a few days and then come back to it. And, like, I do that regularly, you know, or even during the same day. Like, if I'm in the gym, sometimes concentrating on a book is not ideal when you're trying to concentrate on breathing. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, so sometimes sometimes a podcast is better, and then I get back in the car and put the audio book on. So, Mm -hmm. like, but but I'm always, always, and I'm doing a lot of travelling now, a lot of driving, and so I'm always listening to a book. Like yeah. rarely am I listening to anything other than a book or a podcast. I just feel like that's such a great time spent. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I I never I haven't listened to the radio or music in my car unless there's been other people in the car. Yeah. For years. Because I mm. think what a bloody waste of time. Mm. Like if I can learn something on this hour, two hour, thirty minute journey, whatever, like <clears throat> that makes this journey so much more valuable. Agreed. Like, do you think people, if someone's back to that scenario, if you're stuck in a salon that you're not happy with and you want to leave and you want to be an Alex Walker, you want to do more, if you on your commute to that salon listen to a book every day on the way to the salon or on the way back, by the end of that book, there'll be something. Or listen to a podcast every day, that one small change could ignite, oh, actually... Alex said I have to put myself in front of a brand and I have to use the brand and like this is what I have to do I have to find a mentor oh my god I'm gonna go do that mm. that's totally podcasts are free like all of that is totally free isn't it exactly exactly I I, I have a couple of examples for you recently that I have taken the information I've read in a book instantly that like I'd had an idea about something to do with like creating a program within our business and then listening to a book at the same time the idea starts to evolve like as in my idea and the information I'm getting combine to create something like that's better and then I've I've literally the other thing about me is I'm I'm a doer as in, if if I have an idea, I'm going to, like, implement it, like, now. There's not even a... So i, I give you two examples. One is uh, we launched what is called a 60-day Cup with Confidence program, which is exactly as it says on the tin. It is within a 60-day period, we will transform whoever you are from your current cutting ability to somebody who is confident in cutting hair on any client that walks through that salon door, no questions asked. And we do that with four in-person education days. We do that with weekly coaching calls. We do it with video analysis before and after. And we do it with like continual development and feedback by setting tasks. So, So that program was birthed from an idea I had about intensifying training 
and trying to develop a program that gave people better results quicker, but I didn't quite know how I was going to do that. And I listened to a book by a guy called Alex Hormozy, who anybody who like might have heard of him, he is he's in the fitness space, his business is in the fitness space, but now they have a bigger business where they acquire other businesses and so on. But he talks in one of his books about the power of the offer and a power of um, the package that you create, about creating a package so good that people can't say no. So all these like little ideas we had, I started to put together and just be like, well, that's fine. That goes with that. And that goes with that. And and then we end up with this like weekly coaching, video analysis, in salon education, all these things bundled together, the bespoke education plan, like it's all together. And then you whack a price on it and put it out to the world and hope that people want to buy it. And, and luckily in this scenario, they did. And we launched the program with five spots that were start started first of February, the first intake. So five spots knowing that I couldn't actually deliver any more in-person education than that. And they were sold within three days, I think. Congratulations. But my point, no, but my point is not to, it's not to blow smoke up my own backside to say like, look how good we are. My point is, my point is like, I took something directly from a book I listened to, implemented it straight away, literally created graphics there and then, and like, I'm going to do this right now. And it went from, honestly, stuff like this in my head happens all the time. And it goes from like, oh, I've had an idea talking to my partner or talking to Grace at the salon or like, I've had this idea. And and then two days later, I put it on social and they were like, I thought you said you just had the idea. I'm like, yeah, I know, but it's there. So I'm going to do it. Right. So that's, that's like what it's like in my head. But I just, you can easily do that with information available is my point. Yeah. You know, it's Uh, just, and and again, if it's something that makes you excited, then other people are going to be excited too. Yeah. You know, and, and we've done the same literally a week ago, 10 days now, with a new online apprentice slash graduate stylist cutting program. So this was something we did in lockdown and in COVID times. We had a online apprenticeship program that we delivered live weekly interactive classes for a group of apprentices and graduate stylists who wanted to upskill in addition to whatever they were doing, right? It fell perfectly in COVID we had like three groups of apprentices and it was like really good. And so I've been asked multiple times over the last few months about, are we ever going to be able to bring that back? Because so many apprentices and graduates around the country struggling with cutting hair and can't get the support they need in an affordable way. Right. So again, I had, I think I had like, we'd been thinking about it for a while. I'd listened to something on a podcast that was like about developing online education and processes and stuff like that. I talked to one salon owner who was a big advocate of it before. 
who deals with a lot of apprentices in in her business. And she was like, you really should bring this back. And I was like, I know I should. I want to, but we're just trying to work it. And then for some reason, the next day, I, like normal, was getting up early, five o'clock, but I'd woken up earlier. It was like four o'clock in the morning, something stupid. And my head was buzzing with like all this stuff. So I literally went on my notes on my phone and wrote down everything that was in my brain, which was a lot of nonsense probably. And then then I tried to make sense of it and put it onto like Canva. And I think by seven o'clock I'd posted it on social and like, we're going to do this and launch this like now. And like, wow. and like, that's how silly I am sometimes. And I just think I'm going to just do this because it's a, I know people want it. I know it's a good idea. I know there's value in it, but all that's holding me up is me just not doing it. So I'm just going to do it now because it's in my head. And so we are now probably a week from me posting about it originally. We have 18 people signed up and committed to the course. Uh, we've got some more spots available, but not loads because I don't want to overfill it. And it's going to be a 12-week live interactive cutting program. Again, like, I don't say that for, like, look what we're doing. I say it for, like, if you have an idea, you can do it. Like, whatever it is, do it and have that commitment and that belief in yourself to just do it. Well, I, I have a million, we have so many things going on right now, like, with online program, the 60-day program, in-salon in education, brand education. We also, I'm just in the very early stages of this birthing a, 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 a network, let's call it, for people that want to become haircutting educators. Because... It's really exciting. Yeah, it... It's, do you know what? It's the one thing that I've done less with that I'm most excited about. As in, um, it's the most exciting thing that I think we can bring to people, to help people, that are exactly, it goes right back to what you said in the beginning about, are you in a salon five days a week? Are you a bit fed up and don't know where to start? Do you want to find some support and a mentor and go through what it is you're going to teach? How are you going to teach it? How are you going to put your point across? How will you market it? How like all that stuff that is a minefield when you're first there. Like we're going to help people do that through that process. And we've started that process by having a group of our own ambassadors that are going to work with us alongside us. But again, that's not enough for me anyway. I want to help more people do what they love to do or what they think they're going to love to do like it's been something for me delivering education that I can't even explain how much I love it like I just I love having that positive impact on people and I care so deeply about how we make people better that I want to bring more of that to people and I'm also a big believer in like my mum said to me why are you doing that why are you going to teach people how to teach? Like, why would you do that? Like, because then that takes away from what you're doing and the business. And I'm like, listen, you don't understand. Like, the world we live in and, like, the market in the UK is abundant. Like, there are thousands and thousands of salons. 
and there are thousands of people that want to learn something from someone they know or know of or that is relatable to them. Like, I am not going to be the person for everybody. I'm not going to, not everybody's going to want me in their salon to teach them how to cut hair. That's okay. That's fine. Like, you know, but they might want somebody else and therefore can we help that somebody else get to where they want to be, right? That That's where yeah. we're at now. That's amazing. Yeah. Which segues very nicely into my question, which is how does someone become an educator? Because you remember you said earlier about the brand came after you've done it yourself. Yeah. So obviously one way would be if you want to be a cutting educator to get in touch with you. So this is like, again, find a mentor. So get yeah. in touch with someone. And if they're running an ambassador program like you are, applying to be on the ambassador program, if they're not, like I did with Sophia, uh, just asking if you can work for them and learn from them. And like Grace yeah. has done with you. Yeah. But that's not how you did it, was it? You really just did it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been, uh, I guess I, I've been, uh, I've always had mentors of sorts, right? So, like, I, I've always been, since very starting hairdressing and, and qualifying as a stylist, I've always helped out on training nights originally and like been the person that said, Oh, I'll do that because like nobody else wanted to do it. Right. And so, and then, and then getting the job and working for the Academy and, and then it developed to doing some education in salon for apprentices and stylists. And then it was like started with a brand doing some education, like, you know, and doing free stuff, going to salon international and being there as a, as a guest, but for free. And like, that, you know, it all kind of snowballed and evolved. But I've always been into education. But I guess, yeah, my view is always, of course, I always have people that I look up to, I, you know, use as a mentor, if you like, although maybe they're not directly like someone I would say I'm, I'm not necessarily paying them to be my mentor. It, but there are loads of people doing such an amazing job in this industry that you can take bits from what everybody does. And I think if you're aware enough, that's really helpful. But for me, I'm just, I am a doer. I'm like, a, I'm just going to put myself in that situation and advertise it and build a website and do, do this stuff. I'm just going to do it. And like, all these things that we do are not perfect. Nothing we do is is perfect nothing is like every time i come away we just had our meeting with our ambassadors and one of the key things we talked about is the way in which we continually evolve and develop our education and make it better and that is from every session we deliver we're reflecting on how it went how it was how we can improve it and how we can evolve it and i think that's crucial is to always have that attitude and be open of how we can make it better and and yeah, I just, I am someone that just does. But I think if you are someone that feels like you want a mentor or you need some guidance on what you're doing, then either find a person and try to attach themselves to that person as a, 
as a, I guess, a help, an assistant, uh, a shadow or whatever that might look like. And then, you know, yeah, join a program. And that's, that's not a plug for our program because that won't be right for everybody. But, you know, our program and, and our program is not even launched yet. But so it's definitely not a plug because I've got nothing to plug at this stage. But, you know, we've created a network that we're building, you know, that will start to build a momentum quickly where we have put together, I already have put together a series of like modules that we work through on a weekly coaching basis online where we help you develop your program, not a program that's generic for everybody. It's like you and what you want to teach and what represents you, whether that's curly hair, textured hair, you're going to run courses only in mullets or like whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It's about how you put that content together and how you create that program and then how you go and get it and how you market it. Because that's, that's also a, you got a lot of people trying to do education, but they don't know where to start and how to find students. And yeah, but it's about putting yourself in that situation as often as possible. I love that. So you're not giving away the secret sauce. They need to join your program for that. No, I give it, <laughs> listen, I, listen, we give away everything. Like I get, I, you know, anyone that follows me on social will know that I try to give as much information as possible. Um, I'm a massive believer in like giving away everything and anything to anyone because there's no value in not. There's just no value in holding back. So, yeah, if you have anything specific that you think will bring value to people or like I'll give away anything you like. I mean, we don't have time to go through how to build an education program, <laughs> but <laughs> but like, but like, you know, it's as simple as find what you love and what you're good at. I mean, you have to probably be good at it. It's helpful. Like find the thing that you want to teach, right? What it is that you love and you think you can bring value. And I do believe that all of us can bring value to other people because we've all lived that experience. Like you said earlier, we've all got in one way or another, different experiences that we can draw upon. And so that experience digested into smaller parts passed on to somebody else is valuable because there's always going to be there's always going to be someone in front of you who's done more than what you've done and they are 10 steps ahead and there's always going to be someone behind so you're that wants to get from you what you've got from somebody else right so there's always that that journey where you can bring value to people find what that is to you figure out how you'd like to teach it so is it online is it in person is it hands-on is it demonstration whatever it looks like find what works for you and then start to build out from courses you've been on like what works what doesn't work what's the format going to be like you know how many haircuts will you do in a day what type of haircuts and and once you have that then you've got the crux of a really good process and it's about really putting that, like, the nuts and bolts on it and making it right and trial and error, like trial and error. And and then and then it's about finding students, you know? And you might have to do that cheap. 
You might have to sell some cheap courses. You might have to say to people, do you know what, guys? I'm running a free course because I'm trying to develop my education program. I'd love you to come in exchange for feedback, reviews, whatever it looks like. And get people there. Get people there. You know? So, some people some people are happy to travel to deliver education. Some people aren't. So which one are you? Like, figure out all the all the nuances and what works and what's not going to work for you once you establish that then you're there basically that is amazing that's gold alex you're amazing gold. thank you so much thank you my so pleasure much. my pleasure Listen, we are we are at an hour and 20 minutes i can't are believe we? i could carry on for another hour because i love <laughs> talking to you selfishly you carry on you carry oh. on <laughs> well you know i've got my final question selfishly i got you on this podcast because i want to pick your brains because i admire you so much so thank you so much so the last question which after talking to you this morning you have tweaked so my (laughs) final question was and i love this right so the final question was if your instagram disappeared if all your courses disappeared your website like everything else, like everyone had forgotten everything that you said on your courses. You had to start from the beginning again. Originally, I've asked everybody else what your core message would be, what the, like, what would be the thing you would want people to know about you. But this morning, you said to me, oh, are you asking me how I would do it all over again? And if I would do it differently? Which I love. So, Alex Walker, knowing what you know now of 20 years of owning salons, being an educator, working for brands, having a massive education company while you're now training up educators, if it all disappeared tomorrow, how would you start again? (laughs) Do you you know what? It's funny, isn't it? Obviously, kind of, stemmed from us chatting this morning but like i love i love this question in the sense that we all are trapped in a world of social media of the internet of everything that we have that forms the foundation of what we do and i often wonder like if it was gone, like I wonder this myself, like what would you do, right? And and for me, uh, first of all, I wouldn't change anything about the journey I've been on ever, good, bad, ugly, and indifferent. Like I wouldn't. So if I had to go right back to the beginning, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change any of that process. I would just like go through it again and learn the same things and get to where you want to be. Maybe I'd try and get there a bit quicker. It'd be nice, but you know, it is what it is. But but in terms of like, if it was all taken away now, but I still had all the experience and still had all the knowledge I had and then had to rebuild, I think you could get to the same point much quicker because you have all your experiences to draw from. But I would just absolutely fill my brain with as much knowledge as possible, as much education and inspiration from people in books and podcasts and continue to do that and then I would absolutely just go and graft I would 
obviously you would start again you'd start your social again you would like learn from all the things that went well and didn't go well and went like you know my social media following is small compared to a lot of the people in the industry and that's okay you know but it's like if you could start again and would you make it more aesthetically pleasing maybe i don't know who knows but like uh, what i would do is just absolutely graft and just do as much as i could every minute of every day and and reach out to people and offer to help people and support and give as much away as because without like I guess the question is like without your reputation because that's gone like I would give away as much as I could I would send people videos I would invite them to free courses I would go to their salon and deliver cheap education I would literally do anything I needed to to build a reputation as an educator to then continue to build that business that is incredible alex thank you so much thank you honestly this hour and a half has been so informative to me like you you have given so much amazing value like you're saying if you had to start again you'd give loads of value for free you've literally just given an hour and a half of gold it's really you know it feels like a how-to, though. Like, I love that. It's amazing. Oh, so, Alex, where can everybody find you? So, we're on all the social media platforms, like most people are. But Instagram, you can find me at alexwalker underscore awhair. And we also have on there the Haircutting Educators Network, which is recently launched on Instagram. Facebook. Alex Walker, of course, or they can email me directly if there's any questions like that. Not that many people use that form of communication these days, but email me at info at alexwalkerhair.co.uk. Um, what else? LinkedIn. We're on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. And you have Everywhere. a website? YouTube website is www.alexwalkerhair.co.uk. That's got all of our, I guess, our latest course dates, information about our education, and also dates where, like, our education ambassadors are bookable, things like that. So, yeah, all all available in many different platforms. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We're going to say goodbye now, but I'll see you soon, Alex, all right? Goodbye now. Thank you to everybody who's listened. Yeah, thank you, guys. Yeah, speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.